We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. Hello and welcome to the Making Queer History podcast, where we connect our queer history to our queer present. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Cassia Aller. Uh, just a warning already before we start, this might be a shorter, if, if you're, you've probably seen it, it this is going to be a shorter podcast episode, we've talked about this before, but I'm very sick, actually. Uh, this podcast is coming out super late, an entire month late, but you're going to be getting two podcasts dropped at the same time, so I'm hoping that'll make up for it. A little treat. A little treat. Uh, we'll get two podcast episodes ideally dropped by the end of January. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm still super sick. I'm really sorry if you hear my voice. Today, my voice wasn't too bad, so I'm... <laughs> I'm hoping that it won't sound too bad. I'm really sorry if it does. Um, I'm also a bit sick. So also sick. We're both very sick. I've been... Good news, though. We tested yeah. negative for COVID. It wasn't so that's COVID. that's not it. I think it's really funny because um, uh, at this point, we're 90% sure that's the flu. Um, but we've been sick for about a month. Mm-hmm. And usually I get the flu shot. I- I'm very strict about it, actually. I-, I think it's very important. And I get the flu shot every year, except this year I didn't because I was like, COVID. And then <laughs> there's going to be so many people. Don't want to like go. And you know, any maybe put someone in danger, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really, uh, I-, I get sick often, basically. And like, I get sore throats and I get a uh, stuffy nose really, really often. So I'm just like, I know this is probably not COVID, but... But, you know, I want to stay at home. Don't want to accidentally expose someone to something. So I've just been staying inside all the fucking time. But, yeah, I got myself the flu. And I'm mad about it. And I'm never going to be okay. Because I've had the flu for over a month now. Yeah. And I'm going to die of the flu. I'm pretty sure. That's very... 17th century of you. It's actually pretty common still. My therapist told me that. Damn. If you're wondering, my therapist, Anna, um, specifically told me <laughs> that it's okay that I'm upset that I have the flu and that the flu is actually really bad. And the only reason that I make minimizing it is because COVID exists. So she pointed that out. So yeah, I can't bully myself about it too much. But this is why every all the content is coming to late patrons. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Um, but we have been on the Discord server a little bit, talked to some patrons. We have talked about the book of the month, which in January was Ace. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth um, next, next podcast episode. But for now, I'm just gonna say it was it was really fun. It was fun to read it with y'all. I love that book. And it was really fun to hear like different opinions. And our patrons are so smart. <laughs> They're so fucking smart. It's it's intimidating. I'm intimidated by how smart our patrons are. Um so yeah, we had a nice Discord chat. And if yeah. you didn't already know, this year we're running a book club, which yes. means we read one book each month mm-hmm. all together. Yeah. If you are a patron of ours, uh you get uh, added to a Discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you aren't a patron of ours, you can still um, 
You can still join in. You can still uh, discuss the book with us on our social medias. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be part of like a bigger discussion, feel free to become a patron and join our Discord. Exactly. And you can hear all the smart things that our patrons say. Mm -hmm. And all the smart things that we say. I don't say many. Well, I do say pretty smart things. Yeah. Um, And I'm a lot more casual in there. Like, I'm pretty casual in the podcast, but I'm even more casual (laughs) on the Discord. Um, Exciting thing. uh, If by the end or the start of February, because... Uh, our numbers fluctuate pretty regularly. You know, people have to leave, people have to come. You know, it's good times. But I think we're going to be releasing the the playlist soon. The Making Chorister playlist might be released at the beginning of February. So get excited, everyone. Um, yeah. And if you I'm, want I'm to hear the Making Chorister playlist, become a patron to help us reach that next goal. No, we've reached it. Oh, we've reached it. I'm we've so sorry. We've reached it. It's uh, the only reason I haven't released it yet is that I'm I'm waiting till the start of February to see if. That's the actual amount because sometimes people's credit cards get declined, a whole bunch of things. I'm just going to wait until the beginning of February just to make sure we've hit the goal. But we have enough patrons. We've hit the goal. I'm happy. It's great. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm happy to have so many patrons. I'm happy to be able to talk to them finally. And yeah, it's a good time. It makes me happy. I think that's all we have for news. Things are pretty chill right now just because it's the beginning of the year and I'm dying. <laughs> so I can't do that much for y'all. I'm really sorry. I feel really bad. But yeah, I guess we're just going to jump into it again. This is going to be a shorter podcast episode and the next one probably is going to be too just because we're sick and I don't want to wear out my voice and force y'all to listen to that. And I also don't want to overextend myself and not be able to write an article because yeah. I'm only writing one article this month. <laughs> Instead of my usual three. And even that seems like a huge mountain of a task. So it's gonna be, be kind to us. Please. Well, actually, they're already going to be kind to That's us. Fair. I'm trying to justify myself to them because I feel bad. This is me. They, they've done nothing wrong. I'm not going to assume. Our patrons have always been incredibly nice. We've gotten some actually really nice emails recently. Um, I haven't replied to them because, again, I've been lying in bed dying. I can confirm. Thank you. You you really have been lying in bed uh, dying. Either lying in bed or lying on the couch dying. Either way, definitely dying. 100%. <laughs> okay, anyways, we are going to jump into talking about Cassia Eller, which I'm super excited about. And it sort of fits into the playlist thing, you know? Yeah, you're going to get a playlist with Cassia Eller and a whole bunch of more queer artists. A lot of them not speaking English, to be clear. <laughs> so I cannot tell you if the language... The, the, what they're saying is, you know, appropriate, if that makes sense. I'm sure someone can. Someone find the person who speaks the language, or if you speak the language, please tell us if the song is a bop or not. I want the emails. <laughs> Just from a German speaker. A bop. Nothing else. <laughs> not even what song they're talking about. Not even what song. I'll have to find it. It'll be a little treasure hunt for me. I love this. Thank this you. is great. Okay, let's just jump into it before I distract us again by another tangent. So, Cassia Eller was born in 1962 mm-hmm. in Rio de Janeiro uh, into a family of... Her dad was an army parachutist and her mother was a housewife. Awesome. Uh, and Cassia herself was named after a Catholic saint because her grandmother was very religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't really know much about her childhood years, but she won a guitar at the age of 14. And she just went for it. She, she started doing Beatles covers. She was ready to go as soon as she got her hands on her guitar. She jammed out. Uh, she jammed out. She started, yeah, like she started doing Beatles covers and she started very, very early in what she would later call her interpreting of, of other songs. Which she, is really interesting. Uh, she obviously spoke 
uh, Portuguese, because she was from Brazil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She obviously spoke Portuguese, and it was, you know, she, she translated a lot of these English songs into Portuguese and, like, did her own interpretations of it. And she really grew a following pretty quickly because she was so charismatic and she was such, like, a presence. Uh, that's what most people w- would, would say, that, like, she had a stage presence. And just, like, seeing her on stage was so charismatic and just, like, really... She was apparently just an incredible performer. She uh, started pursuing music in earnest when she Mm -hmm. was 18, Mm -hmm. uh, dropped out of school, uh, started to work as a bricklayer. Which, you know what? Different paths, right? Yeah, but that also meant that because she wasn't in school, she mm-hmm. was able to do shows at different times of day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a couple of she had a couple of different groups. She worked as a show girl, a girl in an opera. She auditioned for a bunch of musicals, and she also sang in a choir. So she that had hustle a lot on her plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also explored a lot of different genres. She mm-hmm. she worked with with a foro group. She she did some samba, some electric, and then she sort of ended up doing like a mix of all these and rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a trio uh, called Massa Real. I don't know too much about that trio, but mm-hmm. It gets mentioned in everything I read about her. Mm-hmm. So it must have been good. Must have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, she uh, moved to Belo Horizonte, and that's where she got the work as a bricklayer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she had a few jobs singing in bars. And then because of her uncle, uh, I think the story goes that she recorded a demo and then gave the demo to her uncle. Then her uncle gave managed to get a meeting with a label. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, yes. This Love is nice. this. Which I think is sweet. It is sweet. It, you know, I I, I I I work in the publishing industry. Well, not in the publishing industry, but I'm an author. So like, oh, I hate that that has to be what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, the person can't just, you know, be able, but whatever. But I'm not something. actually sure if her uncle had connections or okay. if he just, I don't know. Because you hear the story so often about how like, I knew someone who knew someone and that's how I got this job. Exactly. Or that's how I got this uh, contract or whatever, but it, it from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like he worked at okay, the label. Okay, so he was just a charismatic guy who yeah. like, got her. That's a, that's awesome. Right. I just like I think I have a bad taste in my mouth just because like in Edmonton specifically, there's like a lot of I, I'm gonna go ahead and call it like networking culture, mm-hmm. and I think especially creatives. You know, especially neurodivergent creatives. I'm just going to go out there and say it. Neurodivergent creatives are expected to be able to be, like, every single fucking thing. Like, not only do you have to be able to create great work, but you have to know someone in the industry. And not only that, but you have to be able to make connections in the industry. But not only that, you have to be able to maintain connections in the industry. And you should maintain connections in other industries. And you should have, like, you know, just, like, a pleasant manner. And you should be nice to everyone. And you should, like, be just, like, pleasant to be around to like get a job in something that has nothing to do with that and it always just makes me really frustrated because i feel like i've seen a lot of creative friends throughout the years just like because have to do all this work that they shouldn't have to do because it burns you out right it does especially if you're neurodivergent exactly because if you have to constantly be like aware of every social Mm -hmm. cue and if you have to constantly be like work hard Mm -hmm. to maintain conversations like we all hate small talk Mm -hmm. like i might appear to enjoy small talk, but I hate small talk. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, if, if you have some level of neurodivergency, I'm going to go ahead and specifically say, like, if you're on the autism spectrum, masking requires a lot of fucking work. And, like, that could be work going into something that you're passionate about. And since it's not going into something you're passionate about, it's going to make you burn out faster. It's going to make you feel less connected to the people around you. And that just sucks. It's almost like capitalism is a failing system that, like... Hmm. 
the heart monitor that it's on is run specifically by three billionaires, mm-hmm. like using like a <laughs> a bike pump to keep the heart going. <laughs> that's that's my metaphor. I like it. I like Jeff it. Jeff Bezos, right. Elon Musk, and whoever runs Google. Yes, they're all. They're all keeping capitalism going with their little bike pump. Yes. And, you know, when they take breaks, they, they switch off mm-hmm. and they just, like, pour a bucket of oil into the, to the ocean. And then they beat up a poor person for not recycling enough. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm bitter this month about capitalism? Oh my god. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? You're right. Email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> or if you want to draw this political satire comic. Yes, please. Please. I think I've seen, like, a thousand political comics, though, being, like, just depicting the ridiculousness of Elon Musk being like, why aren't you, like, a minimum wage person, like, ride-sharing while I dump oil (laughs) into the fucking ocean? You know, I'm gonna profit off this planet's destruction and also profit off leaving this planet when we destroy it. But, like, you know And put people in indentured servitude. (laughs) I'm gonna do those three things, but like, but fuck you for not recycling. But like, we know, well, y'all know <laughs> that I believe BP mm-hmm. invented the idea of a personal carbon print. I believe that. Holy shit, I did not know right? that. Right? It's super fucked up. I see. I'm coming from the perspective of having read like seventy percent of Dark Money, which. That's a hard book to read, y'all. That's a hard book to read. And Will's coming from the perspective of being a Norwegian, where Norway is a completely clean energy country. Except we also sell all our oil. You sell all your oil, so it's like a little bit of a dick move. Oh, 100%. It's very like, much do they a not, dick move. Do y'all not realize you are on the same planet? Apparently not. No one told Norway. We're like, fun well, times. Wait, like, are you putting all the money into little, little rockets to put onto your country? And you're like, <laughs> Entire you in Norway? Goodbye. Time to go. Exactly. Greta is the only one. Yeah. And that's Sweden, right? Yeah. She's from Sweden. Greta's the only one who is not culpable. Exactly. <laughs> She's trying her fucking best. She's working so hard. This is a very big tangent. I'm very sorry, yes. y'all. Anyways. But I'm right. Cassia Eller, though. Cassia Eller would agree. <laughs> she would 100% agree. Uh, so yeah, she she found her her path as an interpreter of songs, mm-hmm. uh, and mostly all of her songs were covers of mm-hmm. other people. Um, some of them, other artists, including Rita Lee, Katanu Veloso, Nando Reis, Richao, Jimi Hendrix, Beatles, John Lennon, and Nirvana. So if you want to listen to John Lennon slash Beatles songs but- without feeling bad because they're awful people mm-hmm. you got you got a cover i love i love beatles covers and michael jackson covers those are like the two favorite like i love when people cover those because i'm like moral <laughs> the, the facade of moral purity oh 100 that's sweet sweet facade 100 <laughs> percent. like i'm not wrong that being said the glee cover of smooth criminal remains a bop i had stopped watching glee by then not to say I have a level of, like, privilege in the queer community, but I stopped watching Glee season three. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a privilege. That's an intersection of privilege that I have to disclose to y'all. Um, but Smooth Criminal was a fucking bop. There's so many good covers of this song. Anyway, sorry. Let's continue on with the thing. I'm very sorry, y'all. I have taken many medications today. <laughs> You're so 
Thank you. But I'm right. I'm right. It is a bop. You 100%. It in, I should say it. And like, I'm sure Cassie Allers is also full of bops. And oh, yeah. Less, if not written by M- Ryan Murphy. So, yes. Extra a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, like, uh, Laura said earlier, uh, Cassie Allers' performances were like the best. Um, she had a really deep voice and a very, Magnetic presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently at one time she did, you know, flash people on stage. I love it. I'm so happy for her. I'm happy for her. Let let her do what she wants. Exactly. And yeah, she got very, very famous. At mm-hmm. points she uh, performed on stage alongside, not like with on stage, mm-hmm. but like in the same set mm-hmm. as uh, people like Foo Fighters. Who Will loves. Who Just I so you love. know, if everyone wants to make fun of Will for liking classic rock. Yeah, we can now make fun of me for, for liking Foo Fighters. And, and you can, like, make fun of me for liking one Glee song. Yeah. Uh, and also R.E.M. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I don't listen to R.E.M. But I need to listen to R.E.M. I've heard really good things, and I, I feel like I need to listen to them. But I'm not sure I'm going to like it. I, I, I've had it recommended to me by men. Ah. So I, I'm always a little... Valid. Valid. Uh, at one point, uh, as she was getting more and more well-known in, in Brazil, she became pregnant mm-hmm. uh, with uh, after having some casual sex with a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while, and while uh, her friend died before the baby was born, she ended up starting dating a woman named Maria Eugenia. And they just raised the son together. Which is... Amazing. And then they married in 1990. Yeah. And they stayed together for 13 years. And I lose my mind. It just makes me so happy. It's what they deserve. It's what they deserve. They being lesbians. Yes. I wouldn't count Bisexual. Bisexual, I think, would be the better way to say that. Yeah. Um, It's what the queer women deserve. It really, really is. And she just appears to have loved her son so much. Mm -hmm. And her son became a musician as well. Oh. You know, after after Cassia died, uh, he became a musician. And I just think that's incredible. I love things like that. It makes me really happy. That's really sweet. Yeah. And and Cassia went on to be very popular and very productive. She produced. She produced only about five albums, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she went on a lot of, of tours. She did a lot of concerts. Mm-hmm. And in the span of like seven months, she did a hundred concerts. Damn, that is impressive. Really impressive. Uh, and she, yeah, she kept really, really busy. Uh, she played, uh, she had a couple of DVDs with a couple of other artists mm-hmm. where they did an MTV Unplugged session, and I believe nice. she did another one later as well. So she produced a lot of things, a lot mm-hmm. of beautiful art, and while she only had about, like, three or four original songs out there, mm-hmm. people still really loved and, 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 and gathered around her new renditions of older songs, because mm-hmm. uh, she was very good at mixing, at mixing genres and sort of getting that, and sort of getting that more Brazilian touch on on the rock music. So yeah, her her music was while she was an incredible person on stage, all her music was also very almost regenerative and renewing. Yeah. Cuz it went about all these all these songs in a very new interpretative way. Exactly. And I think that's a great way to word it. I think that's a really cool thing to be as an artist. Right? Very underrated. 100%. And I think like not to talk about art industry, but we were talking about this earlier in 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 terms of like forgery of mm-hmm. of like paintings, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's a very odd thing of like forgery paintings, and I know they're not like super comparable or anything, because uh, forgery 
includes putting... Little trick. Little trick. You're like, this is real, when it isn't. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's something beautiful about taking a beautiful artwork that people already love and being able to recreate it in a new way. Mm-hmm. 100%, I agree. And um, we are coming up on Almir Dahori, which is um, an art forger who sort of convinced me that I'm okay with art forgery. Mm-hmm. It sort of convinced me. Like, I don't care about stealing from rich people. 100%. Like, That's my hot take of I, the week. I feel like if, like, lower class people get, get ripped off That's by, a by art forgery, you're mm-hmm. like, hmm. But I also don't think any lower class person could be ripped off by art forgery, if that makes any sense. Because, like, for an art forgery to be really worth it, it has to be a rather big artist, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are forgeries that happen in, like, lower class, like, circles, but, like, I just don't. Or, like, lower class. I think the better thing is lower economic standing mm-hmm. circles. Um, I, I don't think it'd be super... It could be super common. And you know what? I think stealing from billionaires is really funny. You are not really right. We should do more of it. And there's... I'm so excited for the Elmira episode just because I there's so many quotes. Because I got this book, which, um... I had to order and it was like a, a hassle getting it. But like, it's also misprinted and like, it's messy and I love it. And it's just this weird sort of, I wouldn't say, would you know what? I'm going to say rare. It's this sort of weird, rare, rare book that no one gives a shit about about me. But, um, and it's just a, a biography of him or maybe an autobiography. I think it's a biography, not an autobiography. And he's a really interesting man. And there's so many quotes from him and there's also so many, quotes from other people sort of talking about the ethics of art forgery and covers are a completely different ballgame. But at the same time, I just think there's something really interesting about reinterpretations of people's work. And like, we put so much and we were talking about this earlier, we put so much weight in like, a person rather than their art. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, do you like the person? Or do you like their, like, you don't need to be friends with everyone whose music you listen to. 100%. Or, or, well, more accurately, whose music you produce. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, like, be able to, like, have a drink with them. Mm-hmm. Like, calm down. And I think that this culture especially harms, again, I'm going to say it again, neurodivergent people. Because neurodivergent people who often have trouble, like, reading social cues, and again, I'm going to specify, autistic people who have trouble reading social cues and who's masking costs a lot of energy are just fucked over by the entire system because Mm -hmm. like why why does it matter if like the person singing the song that is a fucking bop is someone that you like someone who you can you know i don't know it's just you can have small talk with and like not that you know any autistic people can't do that but you know it's harder and it takes so much more fucking work for a lot of them and i'm like chill if they're good at the job why do they need to be good at every single fucking facet of humanity? You're right, though. Mm-hmm. And I, what I was going to say was that I think mm-hmm. there's something incredibly human mm-hmm. about seeing something beautiful mm-hmm. and then wanting to be a part of it. 100%. 100%. And I think that's just really neat. I think that's really neat, too. And with uh, The Great Gatsby mm. entering public domain, Finally. I'm making it culturally relevant. With, with it entering public domain, I think it's a relevant discussion to have. I think also with the failure of the copyright system as it stands, it's an interesting discussion to have. Because, mm-hmm. like, copyright as it stands makes no fucking sense. It doesn't benefit anyone. It doesn't benefit the artists. It doesn't benefit the creators. It doesn't benefit creators in other fields. It just screws everyone over except for billionaires. Like everything else in our Like society. everything else. I read a long thing mm-hmm. the other day about how Disney changed the copyright law mm-hmm. to maintain the copyright on a whole bunch of their um, properties. Properties, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's, I watched a whole long video a while back about how copyright system doesn't work and how, you know, fair use, because, you know, it was sort of in response to how people talk about fair use on YouTube, which is very incorrect. People are like, this is fair use, but it generally isn't. And the problem isn't them. The problem is copyright law is super fucking messed up. And I'm actually going to link the video um, in the doobly-doo. I just want to say that because I like the Vlog Brothers, but in, in the description of this podcast. <laughs> I'll link that in the description of this podcast. I think it's a great video to watch. I think it's really interesting. And I also think that it like, it sort of puts a new frame on copyright. Because I think copyright isn't something we talk about in like social justice circles. Mm -hmm. But it's a very social justice issue, especially when you keep in mind that generally the people who get screwed over most by copyright are marginalized identities. Because, you know, so many people and marginalized people have been fucked over by corporations taking advantage of copyright to fuck them over mm -hmm. and to take literally steal their properties from them and it, it's it's ridiculous it's such a hard thing there was a, a recent this is gonna be a long podcast episode <laughs> um, there was a there was a recent thing that happened uh in the book community um because i'm in the book community but uh an author i think it's spin the dawn is was the author of the book spin the dawn you might have seen it or like i'm gonna Again, link this one in the description because I don't want to, you know, accidentally send y'all to the wrong book. Because if you can support her, I, I really would say, please do that. But basically what happened was she sold her book to a publishing house and they didn't pay her. Remember? I don't. No, they did not pay her. Damn. And they, they just, you know, they have to pay her royalties and they didn't pay her royalties and they didn't pay her almost anything except for the advance, mm -hmm. which, you know fine, but you need to also be paid royalties. And her, her book did really well. And she was like, okay, you're not going to pay me royalties and you're not going to do your reprint. Um, fuck you. I'm going to go to a different publishing house. And then they wouldn't let her. And they sent a cease and desist and like all these things. And in the end, she got her book back, but they were literally stealing her book. Wow. Getting money from it and not paying her. And like, if that happens to this very public author, how many authors has it happened to who are not well known who mm -hmm. are not you know people who have such a large platform like how many marginalized authors has this happened to who can't afford a lawyer who can't put their fucking instagram followers at those people because they have like 300 like it always you know it always happens that it like it harms the marginalized people the most 100 um to end this discussion <laughs> of copyright on a funny note yeah uh i was in a library in science uh, i took I studied library and information science a year, and we had a discussion about copyright, and one of my profs uh, were talking about this one statue that's very famous in Oslo. It's called uh -huh. the monolith. It's a gigantic statue um, of just like a, um, almost like a pole, mm -hmm. but it's shaped out of human bodies, aligned on top I, I of each other. I think you've seen picture. I don't like it. Uh, it's I don't like it either, but it's really famous. Yeah. And apparently, uh, the copyright was about to like expire, mm -hmm. so it would be in public domain. And my prof outright said that it didn't really matter for anyone except for the sex toy industry, and they were hyped. I'm so happy for them, which I think is hilarious. I, I'm so happy for them. I hope the monolith is in public domain, and the sex toy industry have taken. Full advantage. I really hope so. I hope so. I One hope of these days I'm going to Google it. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? 
adventures. Good for them. Anyways. I'm happy for them. And so that that's we'll put a cap on that discussion. Yes. Continue on. Uh so There's not much left to tell, honestly. Uh Cassia Eller died quite young of um a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Though there was like some suspected people some people suspected that it might be drug use or like um other reasons. Mm-hmm. It was from all signs, natural causes. Uh she died when she was thirty nine, which is so young and yeah sort of a sad note to end it on mm-hmm. but her her son became a musician like her and she definitely still inspires people one of the things that i found while researching that article was an edmontonian musician who did an art or uh was interviewed talking about how cassia eller was one of their main inspirations mm-hmm. and it was a, a transgender um edmontonian musician i just think that's incredible i think that's fantastic it's pretty it's pretty and cool. it was pretty like neat to find as an edmontonian but yeah uh, it's one of the good things we can tell you about mm-hmm. the end of Cassia's life is that her her, her wife got mm-hmm. full custody of, mm-hmm. of their son. Yes. There was a little bit of a tiff with Cassia's father, I mm-hmm. believe, but in the end, the court judged it in in Maria's favor. Thank God. And we have yeah, way too many stories where that is not the case, right? So but, it's it's good. It's good. It's good that he got to stay with his mother. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a it's sad that her life ended early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's lovely to have so much of hers to remember her by. I agree. I agree. And yeah, I think that's all we have to say about Cassie Aller. Thank you all for staying with us. Uh, we're going to move into Wrecking the Queers, our third section of the podcast. Where we recommend things and y'all wreck us. So, um, I, it's my turn yes. this month. To recommend things. It is. What I want to recommend, and this is this is me giving y'all care. This is me giving y'all care. Because I love you. I love our audience. Y'all are fantastic and you deserve to rest. Because <laughs> we talk about so many heavy things on this podcast. And we talk about so many sad things. And it makes me so sad. And that I might leave y'all with like any unhappiness or like sadness. I know I have to sometimes because the full range of human emotions are important. But this is me trying to give y'all some joy in in your your time away from our podcast. <laughs> read Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. I love Talia Hibbert. I've only read this book by her, <laughs> but I love her. Uh, it's just this really sweet romance, including queer characters. Um, the romance is between a bisexual woman and I don't remember the sexuality of the man, but it's with the man but you know she's queer and she has like she's like it's very queer culture she mentions Janelle Monet, and like for me you know how you can sort of tell when someone's like not really in the queer community like they haven't talked to a lot of queer people and they write queer stories this person knows the queer community because you know it's a difference between being like oh yeah every queer person loves Janelle Monet and you know every queer person loves Lady Gaga mm-hmm. like that's sort of the difference in yeah. my head because I'm like do we all though do we all do we all think about Lady Gaga even yeah I think about Janelle Monet a significant period of mm-hmm. time like a good solid forty percent of my life no I don't think so um but yeah. Also, welcome Janelle Monet into our community. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. Into, um, but I'm not going to say what I identify. Because it seems like they, they don't like labels. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, that's a whole other discussion that uh, I'm not going to have on here because I will alienate a lot of our audience. No, I, I don't think so. Most of our audience is really cool. But I, I it's an opinion that I don't have super strong feelings about. So I, I don't want to like start anything. <laughs> 
and I'm, I'm willing to be convinced to other sides. So either way, Janelle Monet is fantastic and Talia Hibbert references her and that just makes me happy. It's a great book. Basically the, the setup of the romance, because it's just a romance novel and it's super fun. Uh, and it also has some like really poignant moments that I really liked, like um, specifically the, the character, our main character is a, a black woman and she meets one of her mentors. And that was one of my favorite moments in the whole book was when she meant met her mentor and it wasn't even related to like it was a little bit related to the romance but just like that moment and like it was just really sweet I thought it was a really great moment and um but the the setup of the book is basically so the guy is a security guard and she is a TA slash professor I don't really remember can I make it any more obvious (laughs) (laughs) no uh she she gets stuck in the um stuck in the elevator in a fake fire drill kind of thing he does ballet no he, he does ballet no he doesn't do ballet i'm just like stuck in uh skater boy um <laughs> she said skater boy anyways um that's gonna be stuck in my head for seven years fuck um but she gets stuck in an elevator and she thinks she's gonna die and she hurts her ankle because she thinks that it's like a gas leak or something and she's gonna die in this elevator and he gets to her and it's very dramatic and he like pries open the doors and like he she's hurt her ankle so he picks her up right and he carries her outside and everyone's like this is adorable and they start taking pictures and they post it online and it sort of goes viral and they're like this cute sweet couple and they're like we're not in a relationship no so like but he has this charity that he's been trying to get off the ground for a while and he's like could actually use this publicity and she's like oh fuck yeah let's do it let's get your charity popping and she also and it's fake dating but she also (laughs) just like i i'm not gonna spoil the whole thing but like she also wants a new um fuck buddy and she thinks he's hot and things go places um i will say to be clear, this is not a book I would give to people under 18. There are some on-the-page scenes that are sexual in nature. Party hard. I think it's great. I think they're great scenes. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a great book. This is my care for all of you. It's just fun. It's just a fun book. And it feels very authentically queer. And I think y'all will have a good time reading it. I hope. All right. So I think that's it. That is all we have for this episode. Um, if we've forgotten anything, please email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. I formally apologize to you if my voice is horrible right now. I don't think it is. I hope it's not. Um, I always hear people be like, oh yeah, I'm so sick and my voice is gonna be horrible when like doing a podcast or a video or something. And, and I'm then, like, I've never noticed like what, right? what, <laughs> what are you talking about? But who knows? Maybe I'm the, the exception. I think I'll probably be the exception. Um, um make sure to check out our website at <laughs> www.makingqueerhistory.com. And if you want to get our podcast episodes early, go to www patreon.com slash queer history and become any level of patron you want and you can get our podcast episodes a month early and we're going to be talking a little bit more about our book review so it's it's gonna be so exciting i'm excited check us out on social media we have a tumblr a twitter a facebook a pinterest instagram a pinterest and also a youtube we do dean has worked so hard and made 12 youtube videos that are going to be released throughout the year. So follow us on YouTube. And it's just like a minute of queer history. Subscribe. If y'all subscribe. It's called subscribe, not follow. <laughs> <laughs> but if y'all can handle like 
a solid 30 minutes of listening to us, I think the one minute of Dean is going to be gold. Mm-hmm. So anyways, thank you all so much for being here. We love having you. Thank you so much for listening to our voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no matter for hanging how out. sick they are. <laughs> we really appreciate all of you. Mm-hmm. And just thank you for being here. Exactly. All right. Take care. And remember, history is queer than you think. We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those long dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think. Tomorrow